Hey everybody, we are here in Bozeman, Montana. Welcome to our summer Montana road trip. Excited to be here, Dan? I am so stoked. I've never been to Montana. This is a state my dad was born, heard about it my whole life, and my first time ever getting out here. Well, we, I said to you earlier, how about that displacement, Dan? And what I meant by that is like <laughs> some miles we've covered, huh? Yeah, it's crazy to think about that two days ago I woke up at my house and we have seen all through Oregon, went to your house and Bend, ended that night in the middle of Washington, just south of Spokane, slept just on a turnout, basically. Yep, side Boom. of the road. Through. And then that was yesterday morning we woke up, hit Spokane, saw Kent's. Visited with him for like a few hours, drove all the way to Kalispell, met with a dealer there, went paddling, and then slept out under sailboats last night. Yeah, it's the thing with the, once you hit Montana, you hit Idaho, there's big distances between population centers. I mean, we drove through northwest Montana and, you know, there's 10,000 acre ranches that you're driving through and the uh, Flathead Reservations, just big open expansive space. Uh, so it's really cool, especially, you know, we've spent a lot of our early part of our season in pretty dense areas, Portland, Seattle, Sacramento. Yeah, we, we went across, we paddled the Golden Gate Bridge, like there in San Francisco, drove right through the heart of all that, well, and I'm, Phoenix. Yeah, I'm excited for this episode because it's another one of my favorites, which is in the parking lot behind some shop. So These are my favorites, too. This we, is when it goes down. Yeah, and we are behind rivers, lakes, and oceans here in Bozeman, Montana, uh, they've been in business since 1979, so we're really excited to see the crew and check in with the owner, Mike, and uh, tomorrow morning and hear what's going on. Uh, uh, let me paint a picture a little bit of what it looks like here, because you're surrounded by these big, gorgeous mountains, and then we're in sort of a kind of, I don't know, it's a little bit country, industrial area, and back behind the shop is there's, I don't know seven or eight trailers of rafts that look like they just got back from some sick expedition with the big frames and seats and anyway this these people fully outfit people for doing incredible trips on the rivers out here and uh, outside bozeman yeah i mean every shop has to kind of have the right craft for the waters here people fly from all over the world and raft you know with rafting experience but obviously can't fly with a yeah. so they'll come here and literally rent a 16 foot raft frame these things but, are like top of the line yeah the full kit so it's kind of just from we were you know shuddering a little bit of how you get comfortable as a store like vetting your customer to take a giant raft off a trailer you know it's yeah. it's another level of kind of exposure for a store but, but, they, so, but it's so cool that somebody's doing it. Yeah, you know? and then you go, that's so cool that you can still do that in this day and age, right? That is way cool. I wish more people had that opportunity. Well, we were, that kind of led me to a question earlier to you where I said, like, Dan, could you be dropped into this community? You've never been to Montana and kind of like learn all the ins and outs. How would you go about do it, doing it? And Dan was kind of under like questioning what I'm saying. I'm like, well, think if it's a video game or, or I mean, a, a reality TV show game mm-hmm. and what's called like hotspot where you get dropped into a business hotspot and you got to make it work. And we kind of started going down that vein of thought of like, yeah, like, could I step into this situation? Like say, you know, whatever. It's just a game show, but this store is already here and like they put you here. Do you think you could do run well, this as a business, learn it, learn the rivers, you know, learn all the, training 
And uh, I don't know. It sounds super exciting and super fun, but this is a lifetime of experience that yeah. these guys have. I mean, the, the short answer is like the only way we started talking it through, the only way would be you have to hire the absolute expert person and basically they're running it and you're just paying them buku and to learning, do, this, and learning l- from learning them. Learning where you get your child. But that's the deal. You get your experience for free with the School of Hard Knocks or you pay somebody for the experience. And, and then you go, you know, this shop has been here since 1979. Mike, his wife, have owned it. You know, their kids have come up through the whitewater scene. Uh, Evan, of course, is world-famous whitewater boater now. You got, that's, this is like all in life. Yeah. River, water. It's so impressive. I can't wait to actually see the inside of the store tomorrow. But even just this back alley we're in is so impressive. All these awesome old river canoes and, I don't know, just surrounded by cool boats. So you'll see, we're like Dan said, we're kind of on the outside of downtown Bozeman, where this town has grown so fast, and there's a lot of like industrial, commercial. So you may hear some bit of road noise off to the side. But what did you think about like those ex- these expansive roads of Montana? Oh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's such beautiful, beautiful country, and it always changes. Uh, driving along some of those braided river sections today reminded me of being out in Alaska. I mean, I've never been to Alaska, but. I've never seen anything quite like it. It's, I, I got, like I was telling you earlier, I got way down the, like, folk, like the Lewis and Clark story when I first started repping and driving out here. Because, I mean, everything's uh-huh. named Clark Fork, Madison yeah. Like, that's, they named a lot of this stuff. Right. Uh, and, you know, there's a crazy history, and you try to imagine it back then, and you go, whoa, what was the craft? You know, it was the river, it was canoes. It was, yeah. uh, and it's still being, you know, done out here. Um, the the river culture is definitely through and through Montana. We were in Missoula as well today at um, a couple stores, Trailhead Montana and Love Boat, and we saw a lot of rubber. There's a lot of rubber out here, a lot of rafting going on. Yeah, I mean, even Bob Ward's had a raft in there, and then I think a couple left, but it's just amazing that everywhere you go you see a raft. And typically you see that, I don't know, some of the places in Oregon, some of the more river-oriented spots, there's rafts all over the place, but you don't see it near as much as you see it here. It's I mean, every store. It seems as if like the homes around here all have like drift yeah. boat off the side, so everything's just kind of built around that. Go to the river, and it makes sense. I mean, in other areas, you live in Portland. There's you know you have the coast to visit. You have city life. Here, the recreation is the mountains and the river. Yeah. Rivers. It's a pretty spectacular place. I'm so stoked to actually get to check it out for a little bit. And yeah. We got to paddle Flathead Lake, which was, that was kind of magical all in of itself so flathead lake in northwest montana is i think it's 40 miles the long way long and expansive uh and i was actually surprised i mean that is a major sailing community as well there were sailboats everywhere yeah. it was the biggest lake sailing community i've ever seen wow and up there a little bit more long boats and sea kayaks and touring boats and then of course just the general boating culture motor boats um you can go both ways around the lake. Uh, when you get to the northern part of Flathead Lake, it's a little bit more forested, and then that's where Kalispell is, and then eventually Whitefish and the entrance to Glacier National Park. So if you ever have a chance, that's a wonderful spot to visit. Definitely. If you're a paddler and you like touring, you want to check out somewhere remote that's still fairly accessible, uh, that was an incredible, incredible place. I could see going there, you know, renting a cabin, doing a couple of days of kayaking out on Flathead Lake, doing Glacier National Park, making a you know, a whole trip out of it. That would be a very worthwhile summer, summer vacation. So from here, tomorrow, we will be going up basically through Yellowstone to make our way to Jackson, Wyoming. 
and we have a account to call on there and a little bit of a delivery to make and then we will basically drop down i think through driggs and into idaho poke wrap kind of around pocatello toward twin falls boise and then all the way across the desolate eastern oregon and back to bend so that's a pretty whirlwind tour and the challenge i have had repping this area is really you could spend a month out here uh yeah covering you know we're hitting the major population centers but we aren't necessarily getting up into great falls or way eastern montana there's a whole bunch of missouri river outfitters and then all the whitewater outfitters around like the yellowstone and so forth yeah this definitely feels like a scratching the surface kind of trip and almost you're not even coming close to doing this area justice just being here for three days um definitely a spot we need to spend more time and plan a couple week trip i would love to get on some of these rivers in the river canoe because they're all just class one beautiful flowing maybe class two in spots it used to be a really big canoe community out here i think rubber raft ik you know opened up and obviously more recreational kayaks and you know it's just not as much in the culture but the rivers are perfect for it um, one of the things that i always think about with montana you know the distances so it was about to get here about 14 or 15 hours of driving from the territory from bend right yeah and i drove six hours to get to you yeah five so, so 21 hours just to get and we are by no means to the eastern montana you know we're central at this point if, if, if even a little bit further west actually yeah so this is a we key. just crossed the continental divide today which was pretty <laughs> cool i've never been i've never been to montana never driven this far so feels very cool well we hit it at the exact right time it is early you know or mid-july and this is the sweet spot one of the challenges also i've had over the years doing business out here is it's kind of a memorial day to labor day it's still cold here in may mm-hmm. and it's not until it really warms up for some people their boating season starts on the fourth of july and we even saw a little smoke in the air so it's like this you know the potential for fires around the corner to make the last part of summer troublesome to be outdoors could happen too so it's got to hit it while it's hot and we're here when it's perfect it's perfect timing so that was the first thought is like how could you you know as reps we're trying to come through here and kind of learn the area and understand every time you come here what's working for them and where the where the business is uh what the needs are so you're not selling them the wrong stuff you're like look at your line and say all right here's the things we have that are really going to work in this market and then we also were getting a ton of feedback to go back and say okay they love this, but if we could change this or tweak that, and I mean, especially with level six, I mean, all our companies are great to work with, but level six in particular right now has been really good about taking feedback and uh, running with it and trying yeah. to incorporate it into future plans. Um, I think that the other neat thing about touring the store, we've been just kind of getting data points everywhere we go. So mm-hmm. that is the unique perspective that I think we've tried to share on this podcast is like a lot of people know their own local markets. They paddle their own local waters. We're trying to share fun spots to paddle, but also share what's kind of going on in the industry. And now that we're past the 4th of July, we're starting to kind of understand that it's probably a year that people are seeing maybe half the sales that they made the year prior in certain categories. Yeah, I feel like that's most people saying that. Like, okay, now that we're halfway through summer, we can kind of look at the numbers and say, okay, we sold 60 of these last year, now we're 28, you know, or 30. I think we've heard quite a few things like that from people. Um, some were saying margins are holding strong, which is nice to see. Some people are 
you know, because there were some people that bought pre-inflation, right? They bought 2021, so they got the, yeah, you know, a little bit better price, but they're still holding on to that inventory sure. because we had such a soft end of 21 and 22. So, yeah, there are a lot of 21 boats out there on the shelf still that are, 20, I mean, 22 boats out there on the shelves that are... Um, being worked, being worked, being worked through, yeah. So the that's kind of the the state of the climate here, and and other pockets. We're hearing some more of the same. It's more challenging, and then I've been having a lot of fun the last month or so, kind of geeking out in the used market because there's so much coming up. Whether it's maybe some financial distress, maybe people upgrading and wanting to sell their old boat, and then some people maybe just I don't know, possibly over paddling or moving to some other recreation that happens but it's yeah it i mean we all got really into things during the pandemic and i feel like a lot of us lost some of that free time we had and you know maybe it was rc cars for some people or who knows what the thing is i feel like people got, got a lot of hobbies and for some of those folks they're not out paddling like they were yeah or maybe because it is a little tougher financially right now people might be like well to get into that next sport i'm going to get into i need to sell the last sport whereas maybe before they could have just like i'll keep the kayak and go golfing and I'm go get a mountain bike yeah whatever <laughs> it is so i've been having a lot of fun trying to both um, i had some used boats to sell and then also buy um, it's competitive out there so if you're a passionate paddler looking for things it's really fun to jump on facebook marketplace or um yeah, any of the Craigslist and just kind of look around and see what's in your community. I do it all. It's too, it's almost a guilty pleasure of mine. I yeah, come home with a few things. There's a lot of other people that are into it. And it had, I don't know, we were just talking earlier and it's something I thought I'd share. But one of, probably when you talk to people that have owned companies in this industry for a long time, you know, kayak, canoe, accessories, paddles. I, and I think I, this came out of a recent, like, actually the whole industry kind of got together at a trade council. One of their biggest concerns was, like, is there new young blood? So we're sitting in a shop with, you know, 40-plus years of knowledge. Yeah. But, you know, who is bringing up the next level? Or, or are people learning from these people and then opening their own stores? And it had me, like, remembering a time that when I first got into repping, there were a lot more accounts that kind of would what you'd say like the garage dealer yeah basically maybe someone was a teacher but sold paddle sports in the summer for fun and took people out paddling and like a lot of that went away as i don't know went online and had to become kind of became a little bit more of a mainstream thing well i think during 2007 and like that whole financial crisis um i remember that's kind of when i came into it and there was more of that going on there was more like um people getting her started with it early adopters like garth we talked about earlier um selling stuff out of his garage i mean i think i even kind of came out of that era where it's like i don't know well he actually penguin was before that wasn't it yeah penguin paddlers yeah 2004 before the recession the, the 08 yeah, the one yeah. yeah uh yep they were opened up before but the model was really simple it's like i'm not going to you know blow my money on a main street place mm -hmm. maybe paddle sports blew up somewhat more mainstream and there's always been the main street stores but i don't think we're seeing as many new up-and-comers come that have that kind of like Capital. low overhead garage dealer mentality yeah yeah to ju jump into a store like what we were sitting in here I and mean, that's a huge huge investment right 
And I mean, not too many. I never could have started that way. And you kind of need all disciplines, right? They have to have raft. They have to have kayak, canoe. You're a paddle, like a paddle yeah. sports store. It's a lot. To I know. suppose we saw some of it happen with SUP over the last few years. That there were a lot of like kind of, kind of low overhead SUP operators, whether mm-hmm. it was out of a box trailer renting or yeah, teaching a lot of yoga. Yeah, bands. You know? Yeah, teaching yoga that route. So it mm-hmm. had happened in SUP, but we've seen a lot of changes in SUP. Right now, there's just a lot of inventory being closed out, tons of inventory online. Um, seems to be the case is that, like, the amount of people that value the performance there is pretty small. Majority of people just want to have a good time floating on their stand-up paddleboard. So kind of the emphasis for performance has decreased there. So maybe the time is ripe for the other parts of our industry to have some more of that renaissance of, like, small garage operator owner operator I, i'm kind of hungry I, I for it, it i miss it i mean i would i think about how we started with really the only reason we got a space was to park the trailer in because i couldn't park it in front of my driver you know rack full of kayaks on it so we got a small warehouse it was like i think it was a thousand square feet and we parked the trailer in the back and then we realized up front we had enough room to put a few boats um and turn into into a small retail space but man yeah, you can start it on a shoestring, but if you're out there on the water with people, teaching people, you know, bringing people to the water, then from that community of people that you're creating, you're going to have a need for, you know, somebody that does retail. Um, yeah, I mean, that happens often where it's you have an instructional outfit that focuses on instruction only, and then they kind of get pulled into the retail. Yeah, so, somebody's selling these people all this stuff. I yeah. mean, that's kind of what happened to me is like, as you teach people, like, this is a paddle float, okay? And they're like, okay, where do I buy one? It's the first thing they're going to ask. Like, I want to do this. I'm learning it. Where do I get the stuff? Yeah. And, I mean, you could send people online, but if you can get set up as a wholesaler and you're doing it anyway and you're already meeting the customer and you can do it all from QuickBooks on your phone, you know, why wouldn't you sell them the, the throw bag or the paddle float or the PFD or whatever if you had access to yeah, it? Yeah, honestly, the techno- technology is even more... <laughs> You know, basically your camera, your phone is your marketing machine, essentially. You don't yeah. have to, like, be drafting all sorts of newspaper ads, you know, anymore, necessarily. So it seems like, I believe, the, the future of, you know, new boat shops in areas, which are going to need it because we're hearing all over the West of shops, you know, some folks aging out and retiring and closing their stores or selling them, uh, you know, to try to help people enter the space of paddle sports retail i carry the torch you know yeah carry the torch i think it can be done with a roll-up door hey you had somebody in washington that pretty much tried that like the storage unit roll-up door yeah he was close to uh he was close to a lake up there and it was like a newer subdivision and he like started a club around the lake and then he started hosting demos he bought it not a bot he rented a storage unit that he leased that he was allowed to store kayaks in he had his trailer in there and he would just hook up to the trailer we'd do demos on the weekends meet people on personal time he had instruction going so it was a pretty neat and little a website model. that like looked truly pro and so forth right yeah yeah exactly and I know social media yeah and do you think that that model I, th- I believe he had he closed his operation down but it was more on a personal it was on thing. a personal level um, to do it straight off like that and make money I mean he, he had a he had a day job and this was something he was doing on the side but I think if he persisted with it um, I think he would have been really successful with it. It's just, unfor- you know, he had circumstances come up that he wasn't able to uh, keep keep, keep it going, torch. which was a shame. It was really kind of a neat model. 
Well, I think that one of the biggest challenges, maybe a fear for a lot of people in that space, maybe anyone you know that's listening to our our podcast that might think, "Hey, I love paddling, but maybe someday that's something I would do." I think there's like a big a fear around, like, "Oh, where do I get the insurance? Where do I get the credit card machine?" And then, like you and I have seen it done so many times. Yeah, we know all the contacts. Yeah, well, and I did it, right? Yeah, and you did it. So it's like. Oh, call this, this, this is the person that insures everybody. Call them. They'll get you set up. Like you could yeah. almost kind of like have like a checklist of how to do it. I mean, yeah, for sure. I remember when I started, I had to call a bunch of friends that had shops or old shop owners. Um, and just be like, so what are all the things that I need to do? You know, I was definitely pulling information from friends that I needed to have small businesses. Like Reg Lake was super helpful for, for like industry. Like here's who to call. Here's who to call at Werner and Kokatat and whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but it took a village. So like you and I have the ability to like just kind of pour into somebody like you want to do this, let us help you. And, uh, and then obviously it's a win-win situation because as reps, you know, we're working with manufacturers to help the retailers be successful in paddle sports. Um, so like it's really a win-win situation. I, I, I kind of want the reality show of that. Like, yeah, we talked about, you know, it's like, it's like. Could you could you find three people that had cool areas? Like, gosh, I live in this lake community. There's not a kayak shop in two hours. Be like, oh, really? Do you happen to have a truck? Oh, I have a Suburban. Does it have a hitch? You're like, yeah. I'm like, cool. I'll be there with a trailer full of kayaks, paddleboard, PFDs, paddles, everything you're going to need. Yep. You know, call this insurance guy and, you know, open yourself a Square account on your phone and, uh, you know, call the city and make sure that, you know, you have proper business licenses, right? Yep. I mean, that's about about it and there might be a few other details we're not thinking of but let's not get bogged down with the details <laughs> this is you this is can do this this is good tv right here so we <laughs> yeah. film on we put that we have like three different areas and like all right everyone gets a box trailer that's full of boats and basically we check in on them and say like we film them up until like the opening like the to their training and stuff well there would have to be a training component of it in fact that'd have to that'd be like the first month it's yeah like, the oh, first episode yeah the first you're taking this rescue course and yeah like yeah, swift water rescue training, flat water canoeing basics, like, and you feel like filming somebody learn the stuff they're going to need, well, and then we should teach people, like a retail course. So, yeah, and you could bring in other reps that are going to work with them. Well, somebody you'd think that these would be passionate paddlers, yeah, at some level, so they'd have some of it. Right. Yeah. Sure. Some sure. of the skills got maybe not a swift, you know. Well, just I guess what I'm saying is just like make make sure whoever's doing it is a very well rounded experience so they can relate. Because and that was so beneficial for okay, me. Okay, then there would be a retail training class. Yeah, I like okay. that. All right. So Get some ringers. All right, so what? Are you, let's just say you're doing a retail training class and you're introducing... I think the, I would want to be course. like the MC, but I would want like some actual really real pros. And then I just yeah, sprinkle yeah. on Juju. Because I really was just a reluctant, lucky retailer. But I learned a lot along the way. But, uh, I mean, there's just people that are... Professional, professional retail tra- training organizations yeah like i think i would benefit from going to some really i've good been i've sat through a three-day one with the man group uh-huh or two-day with one of my stores how that, was that awesome yeah awesome i mean there was just some really neat things about like simple physicalities of like not behind the counter when people come in you know but yeah. like maybe you just step down to one knee and be cleaning a boat when somebody comes in your shop and look up and say hey how's it going i'm cleaning this boat putting on a rudder you know i'm in the middle of this but like let me let me give you you know can i show you anything yeah you know and then they're like no you can't show me anything You're like oh cool i'm gonna keep working on this but let me check back in five minutes 
you know, now when I check back, I'm fulfilling a promise yeah. instead of like bothering somebody. I told you I was going to check back. Here I am. How's everything still okay? You know, that's cool. I like that. There's like little like nuanced stuff that might make it, you know, you have to make that all that your own is part of it. And then the other thing I really loved is, you know, not the museum tour, but like instead engaging your customer in a conversation. Mm-hmm. And that was always the most important thing to me is as quickly as I could, like you're here because you are excited about paddling. I'm really excited about this too. What kind of paddling are you going to try to do? And take me on a, you know, take me on a journey with you, like help me paint a picture so I can help you decide, yeah. you know, what three kayak options are going to be the best. And then we'll narrow it down from there by sitting in them. So that training that I was in, they had some specific stuff of like, you know, you tell the customer like, Hey, for me to better understand, can I ask you a few questions? Like they were kind of like formal about it. Like, I'm going to ask you a few questions. You cool with that? You know, and like you could kind of tell them what you're doing almost like, yeah. Hey, for me to do that, I need to know a few things. Like, are you, you know, do you live near water that you, that you know, you'll be paddling off and, you know, but then they were very quickly to like, Oh, cool. Well then based on what you told me, so the next kind of lead is like, well, based on what you told me, I think that this, this and this would be great choices. This one would be like, let's go, you know, kind of a good, better, best. Mm-hmm. And read the signals from the customer in that moment if they gravitate toward one or if they shirk back, like maybe you're off on price, like you went over the top. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I said, you know, if they told maybe they'll just straight up tell you. And you're like, okay, well, based on that, refine. Right. So it was present, edit, refine, you know, represent. Yeah. And then the other thing that was really neat was that I think we've met people that do this really well. One of the, your mentors was to treat the product like gold the whole way through. Yeah. Like instead of like, you know, shoving, st- like when you, when you set it in their g- trunk for them, it's placed nicely yeah. in a package. Yeah. I like that. All of it. Like I like that a lot. Walking the product out, taking care of it, putting it in there, handing it to them in a bag, presenting it instead of like leaving it on the counter, mm-hmm. taking it and handing it to them. I just some stuff that like might seem like o- over the top, but if it's done to you well and authentic, you it's know, actually nice. I used to do the walkout. The walkout. So when I would be done, it, it all started at Penguin Paddlers and it was usually genuinely because... I was involved in a conversation. We got through the ringing up process. And, like, I, you know, it's just like how my grandma and grandpa were. They always yeah, walked you to the door. Totally. And in in those days, there were high-end customers, but there weren't a ton of them. You would maybe do, like, on a good day, three sets of customers a day. And they were getting sea kayaks and racks. And, you know, they were getting a lot of stuff, so you'd kind of schedule them out. But it was never, like, a ton of foot traffic. So, you know, those were your people you've been working with for four hours. Maybe you even demoed with them in the morning. You did the... You know, you paddle, life jacket, paddle. You had taught them some strokes. Maybe got them on the forward stroke machine and then, you know, got them signed up for their first rescue class, whatever. Like, you're turning them into paddlers. And at the end of that, of course, you're going to, like, walk, walk them out up. to the door. Yeah, just like the gram. Like, send you with a plate of cookies out there. No. But That's I feel like, like it was yeah. really a way for, to build a relationship and a rapport with customers. It was so much more than just an interaction, which is, it's hard when you get busy. And, like, I wasn't always that way in retail, but in the early days, I love that. Yeah, well, out. that's always the most fun in a store when you're not too busy that you can't do that stuff. When you're the, building, that's always the fun part. You know, but then if there's a point where you're so busy, it's almost like, oh, you, you, it, I could see like the loss, like, gosh, I don't have time to walk that person out the door and pull in their bow line a little bit and tighten it down one last second, you know, or whatever yeah. yet, help them with. Um, that was definitely a sweet spot in there. So, I mean. But if your job's a sales associate, then I think it's okay. So, but we're back to this reality show. That's kind of like the they're getting the business training, the sales training, and then the on water training. Maybe in like the first few weeks, and then set up with the right product mix 
I mean, for where they're going, for where they're going and what they're wanting to do. So you sit down with a little bit with that, and I think you make their scope narrow. I mean, I think at first we started talking this through, laughing about it, and they're like, "Wow, they're but they're gonna be at a boathouse with thirty boats out at once. That could be so overwhelming." Yeah. And I'm like, "But the garage dealers that I worked with early on, I had one that would sell. He was a school teacher, and then throughout the spring, summer, and fall, you know, he would basically sell twenty to thirty-five canoes a year, but they were all very high-end canoes. So that works out to like two to three customers a month." Yeah, that's sounds pretty dreamy. And, and so it wasn't really, and you know, accessories to go with it. Maybe he had a couple courses along each month, like a Saturday morning course and a Wednesday night social paddle or something. But yeah. like he had another job. And that's cool. I guess it was his hobby. We were sitting out here being like, "What's the future of paddle sports?" And it's not this daunting thing to get into if you like set the scope something that you can handle maybe you are somebody who can handle 30 kids on the water because you're a school teacher already or something and you're like oh that's no problem if i choose the right safe waters i'll take these 30 kids out with proper training it reminds me abigail she was like oh 80 kids like we'll make that work we'll just i'll just hire and train the guys ahead of time and no problem she's like the more the merrier i'm just i'm like 80 kids in a day you got no way i would want any part of that you just scale up the guys just yeah scale up the whole thing yeah she's impressive that way so I, I don't know. I think the industry is like scared for the future of like what are, what's going to happen when this store that we're sitting out in 1979, Mike, you know, he's got grandkids. He decides it's time to go off and play with my grandkids more or something. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. But yeah, it's a huge um, institutional loss because this is just a lifetime of experience and passion. And uh, it is. But I think if somebody it is. But if somebody had like that box trailer mentality, that you we, think there's a replacement. Um, well, Mike would be our guest. It's just like these shows on TV that have like yeah. this secret singer, then the guest or whatever, you know. Um, yeah, Blake Shelton, and then yeah, he gets yeah. like a guest instructor to come help him teach the singer to be. Yeah, better. so you could have Mike come in and be like, Mike, these people want to set up in Montana. You know the rivers. You're not retired, but you could, you know, I'm sure you could get them uh-huh. for a weekend. Yeah, maybe you pay him to come out and. It'd be the guest, like the guest, the guest, uh, just like the, yeah, the singing shows. The guest judges. All right. We'll have to make this show. So we're going to need contestants. You can email Dan. He's easy to find out. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. You know what, though? If we got enough interest, it would definitely can have me keep thinking because that is really, uh, I mean, it, it gets my romantic side of starting my shop back going again you know I mean thinking about those early days it was good living it's such a fun thing and I think people starting their own business can get really fearful that I'm gonna like sink my whole second mortgage into this thing and we were actually like pricing it out it's like okay box trailer 10 to 12 grand you could even do it with an open trailer if you had secure storage at your house yeah I mean that little 12 boat I have yeah those are four thousand dollar trailer on the low Mm -hmm. and to fill it with paddles pfds and some boats that could become your mostly demo models that you might special order from it's gonna you know depending on what you get what like 30 grand 30 grand I mean, that's just like my, you're better with math, but that's my scientific wild ass guess. Oh, I think you could have eight, you know, eight to 10 eddy lines and four feel freeze and four emotions for 15. Yeah, you could do it less for sure. I guess what I'm thinking, I think of like. And the PFDs and everything else in the palace, 15 to 20,000 yeah. or something like that. And the trailers, you know, so you're 25 to $30,000 in. So let's say you were just to like turn that into like a car loan type of payment that'd be an inexpensive car loan pay yeah you know for three years and i think if you did the trainings yeah 
and you had spent that time on the water and you know say it was like a three month thing i think you would come out the other side of that really ready for a special experience because three month training could be in the winter months yeah with some business that's what i did with I mean, some yeah with some business consultations and stuff yeah. like my oh, first trip down the american was in february and i remember it was like dry suits ice cold but they were like oh you want to do a why would a class in winter sure we're not doing anything right now so they were happy to do it insurance is going to be for a basic operation with only that many boats two to three thousand dollars a month two thousand for liability insurance it's usually about the going rate twenty five hundred dollars yeah yeah i so mean it's been a while since i mean I let's say we that. add it all up to thirty thousand dollars and you view that like oh okay i'm gonna go buy a thirty thousand dollar car with a three-year payment plan what's mm-hmm. your payment plan on that situation I don't know. What, I mean, I'm 500, gonna, 400 yeah, a month? 400 a month. 500. It's, yeah, so $500 a month, you can be a kayak shop. And then the insurance? No, I, it, I was saying that that's, let's just say it's 30000 Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Total, yeah. the total 30000 I see what you're saying, yeah, my bad. Yeah, that's totally doable, and like even to do it on the side, I mean, you sell one really nice boat, you made your 500 bucks. I mean, one yeah. set up to a customer, you could easily make 500 bucks if it's... You know, if you're setting them up with a, a good boat, you know, a couple hundred dollar. Like, oh, it's six thousand dollars a year. You know, probably when you sold yeah, all those easy. boats, when you were, you know, if you sold everything that was in the trailer, just the stuff you bought, mm-hmm. you'd probably have made your money back. Close to it. Maybe not quite, but not, yeah, you'd have to turn it a couple times. A couple times. But if you were doing classes and, and instruction renting. and renting, then it's then it's easy day, because. You know, then you have a say it's a thousand dollar boat because I'm not that great at math compared okay. to you. But you have a thousand dollar boat, and then you rented it out or done classes with it. We'll say uh, paid, paid twenty for, times, but fifty bucks a time. Oh, you paid for the boat exactly. And then you sell it for. And then you sell bucks. the boats for without. You know, maybe it's not a thousand bucks. Maybe you sell it for six hundred bucks. Yeah. But you, then you get your money back out of it. It's so, not that big of a leap. It's really not. I mean. I always joke, not joke, I always tell people the story I started with, a $10,000 loan and some help from family and friends, including you. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like I was going to go bankrupt over it at that stage of my life, you know? I mean, I could spit out, I, I think the other thing is like, oh, who do I call? Do I? I'm like, I think I could almost spit out the names of every, like, this is who you should call for insurance. This is who you, you know, set your, like, this mm-hmm. up. Oh, a liability form? This is the person that has one already in the can ready to use yep. you know like these things are done i think i've watched so many stores start up like this and each person has to find like find this information all on their own and yeah. i'm like gosh but we have it all yeah if somebody listen to this podcast and interested hit us up please we'll help you um there, i don't know there's got to be a cool way to reach those people because i'm sure there's people out there that are you thinking know, about thinking doing. about it. Well, the, watching well, the YouTube channel and getting like, I think I could do that. Well, it's goes the other way. Everyone's like, will turn to you and be like, "You have the coolest job ever. You just yeah. drive around and sell kayaks." And I'm like, "Well, we kind of bought this. I mean, I'm sitting outside of a truck and a box trailer. I, it's this is. I'm a contractor. I'm a contractor, except with kayaks instead of tools. Mm-hmm. How many people do you, you know, contractors do you know that have a truck and a trailer just like this full of tools because they have that skill set? Yeah, I don't have that skill set of building, but I kind of came across I'm a paddler passionate paddler if you have like five years of paddling under your belt and taking some of these courses already you're on your way to showing a new person you've probably excited family and friends about it yeah you know you've already done it I love where your head's at man you're completely not wrong and it's actually 
And then Quite well, people are saying, oh, you got the best job. Kind of like, oh, you know, who are you, Lucky lucky Pants? <laughs> well, yeah, you like, fell into it. It's like, hey, you give me $500 a month, you can have the exact same job right now, you know? Yeah. And it's a lifestyle. I mean, you look at what Greg, uh, Dave Grigsby did. I mean, he bought into a lifestyle. He wanted to be involved in uh, power His sports. previous podcast was with Yeah, Kayak he's a Connection. good example. And it, I mean, that was obviously a more significant investment, but I don't think it has to be, especially if somebody's going to do it like as a part-time thing while they're doing something else, but guide trips and uh and sell product i think if there was ever a time to do it with the market the way it is right now it's probably the best time i think you could very quickly sit down and paint yourself a picture of what that formula's success would look like well i need to do i think you did a little bit of that like you're I always say, i feel like that's my that my is original your, business plan i have it all on paper you have it on paper like it's, i need it's, to sell this drawing i have to sell 22 kayaks i have to rent a hundred <laughs> times or something totally you know? i have a picture of the rig i wanted it was like a a pickup truck with the camper shell and like the Christmas tree trailer I have now. It's like a 12 placer. Yeah. And then I even had a dog, drew a dog in the back window because Henna was my dog at the time. Oh, you did. See, I, you're such a feeler. You, you took the time to put the dog in the window. I yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, so this hit fits this many kayaks. And I picked the kayaks that I wanted. Yep. I thought I wanted at the time. And, uh, and then how much I could make on each one through lessons and tours and rentals and how many times I'd have to rent it out and then how many I'd have to sell. And I started doing the math. I'm like, this works out like this checks out i think i could totally do this it's not as much as i thought because my overhead was i paid 600 bucks a month for the roll-up door that i had uh you know the little yeah uh storage place and then um the rest of it was just really my time and a little bit of investment on equipment and you uh, know this is so ripe right now because before the pandemic there were a lot of companies like oh look, we have a $25,000 minimum if you want to be a dealer and you have to have this and that and this yeah, and that and this sure. and that and I've seen dealers get cut like new dealers get caught up in that and they're like oh well, and then they, all of a sudden their first buy is $75,000 worth of kayaks and they don't yeah. know exactly what their assortment should be totally. then during the pandemic the if you wanted to do this business idea that I'm the reality show I'm pitching right here <laughs> Nobody had boats. I mean, right. we had people call me like, I'm thinking about starting a kayak shop. I'm like, you, you should are. call me in 2024. Yeah. Right now, it's ripe. Yeah. It's time. The, the the fruit is ripe on the tree where the vendors would be like, I'll try that out. Yeah, a lot of the old guys are getting out to the vendors like, well, we need new opportunities. Yeah. We'll take a risk on this. Okay, he wants $7,500 in credit. Like, that's a risk we're willing to take right now because we've got, you know. We have the boats. We got them. We got the inventory. Or that they're willing to sell you less than what used to be the demands. Right. You know, and if the company tells you right off the bat in this model that you you got to buy thirty thousand, or we don't talk to you, be like, well, you're not a right fit for me. Yeah. And you come, and and I promise you this, you'll never be part of my business. Somebody, Somebody once said that to me years ago, opening up a kayak shop, and they're like, we're opening up a kayak shop. It's outside of Portland, and I was like, ooh, I've got some dealers in Portland I need to protect, and I kind of said as much. And their response was like, well, there's 322 other manufacturers of paddle sports. We'll call the next one. That was their response. And I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm going to miss this train if I don't. And I jumped <laughs> in my truck and I went down and saw them. And they now, they ran a shop for 15 to 20 years and I worked with them. And now they're still like some of my best friends. And, and they're Is that Stephen Bonnie? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And Bonnie was, she, Bonnie was, you know, hard ass. And she was just like, all right, punk. And yeah, she put you bluff. in her place. Yeah. Oh, I love that. She's like, oh, I got to go check her out. Yeah. I was like, Good oh, let you. me go out here. You know, she had it counted. She's like, there's 212. I just remember being like, really? There's that many people going <laughs> both? I do remember it being kind of a tall number, but, but I was like, she's right. 
Like she will hang up the phone oh, and I call somebody that. else, and they'll be like, "Yes, You're how many would you like?" <laughs> Egotistical punk kid, and she put you in your place. In my, I was yep, and I was yeah That's in my best. place. It was, it was great, and yeah, I went and they actually really started small as well. They basically had a roll up door place in a marina, one uh-huh. one fourth of the building, and uh, you know when I went in there, it was like a narrow enough space that they could only have one six tree rack in the middle uh-huh. with the counter at the back just miscellaneous stuff slammed up against the wall and you could go left of the boat route or right <laughs> and that was the shop yeah but they had a rental they had some boats on the dock 12 boats on the dock oh perfect yeah shop perfect. I love that yeah. I mean, those, go like see out that here, go see, half the inventory's on a rack out front I yeah. love that it's like boats come get them yeah the shop that I used to visit in Missoula where we were at yesterday was called Canoe Rack and it was run for many many years um, Don Burke was the first owner of it and that was in the heyday of 80s and 90s canoeing. And he was selling like 150 ultralight canoes through there a year. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like crazy. But his store was basically like a mobile home shack. And that was the office. <laughs> and then all over the yard. And it was kind of the same type of area, which is like converted farm field. He uh-huh. just had wooden um, kind of A-frame racks. So that there was like four boats on each side, right? Went up like yeah. a pyramid kind of. He had them all over the yard, like everywhere. And I think he could fit like 200 boats on these <laughs> at five at a time. Yeah. Or seven at a time or eight, you know. So canoe like, rack. There were like 30 it. canoe racks. And he called it canoe rack. And his competition used to call him the UV rack. Because <laughs> every boat was just sitting out in the yeah. sun cooking. Oh, that's but hilarious. He, he didn't let He's like, it's Kevlar. Like, go down to a marina. How many Don Burke? He'd be like, go down to a marina. Do you see, don't you see a lot of fiberglass so he, sticking out? Same yeah. thing. Like, these are boat, boats meant to be outside. Oh, I love it. Like, they're meant to be outside and paddle. I'm Don Burke. Oh, he, <laughs> he pulled the best, the best. And he was a slinging salesman, and I worked his demo on Don Burke. He kind of talked like that. Yeah, come on down, Don. Oh, Ethan, we're all going for drinks and burgers afterwards. On me, Don Burke, bringing you down. <laughs> he brought all the reps and like all the volunteers went to this bar, right? Uh-huh. And it was like, you know, it was a busy bar in Montana, Missoula College Town, in kind of like early, late spring. So the college people are all, you know, coming out. Hey, burgers and beers for everybody, Don Burke, you know. And, and, and um, the bartender's like, all right. And there's like 15, everyone's like, cheeseburger, cheeseburger, you know, a lot of people in the crowd. And everyone gets their stuff and, you know, sits down and tries to find a place. You can hear the grills, you know, <laughs> burgers going nuts. And Don Burke pulls out his credit card. Now, here you go, I'm Don Burke. And he's just, and the, and the bartender's like, oh, we're cash only. <laughs> no, no, and, no. And I feel like he knew this. Because he kind of looked around, and I was there, and I was a kid, and I was like, I got like 300 bucks cash. And he's like, kid, I'll get you tomorrow at the demo. It was a two-day demo. He's like, I got you tomorrow. Well, Don Burke didn't have too good of a memory because by the ne- the next day, I'm like a young kid rep. <laughs> so scared to go up to Don Burke, the owner, and be like, oh, Don, how about that, like $274 or whatever? I got so fleeced by Don Burke. No, you didn't go to up to him. No, I was so scared. I was 23 years old. Don Burke got me. <laughs> Because, I mean, he's probably oh three God. sheets to the wind. Didn't yeah, even yeah. remember it's it. Whatever. And everyone's, like, coming up to him that morning, like, Don, thanks, brother. Here's some beer. And I'm, like, the total broke 22-year-old rep kid who bought it all. Got no credit. For, I mean, yeah. 
That's probably your and expense it was buying, to get out here. Yeah. Like you probably lost money for sure on that I'm trip. I'm still upset about the 200 <laughs> It was a lot of money. Oh, I bet. Because everybody got burgers and beers. Did you do anything with them after that, or did you just... Oh, yeah, it's my account. Well, oh, then that's Don, funny. You never brought it up. Well, Don Burke sold it to... You know what? He wasn't the owner of the shop at the time. It was this a guy that he had sold it to. And Don Burke just came down to like, Hobnob. <laughs> <laughs> the old owner came down like, hey, everybody, I love that you're still pitching canoes. I was really into that. I'm going to take you all out for burgers and beers. That's what it was. Okay. And he had sold it to a guy named Matt. Matt Matt was a really fast canoe racer and just triple eight. And he'd tell you about it. He would tell uh-huh. you he's the fast. And he could sling. But... He treated me so tough as a young rep. I'd deliver eight canoes. He'd unwrap them all and just, I didn't know. And well, he'd beat me up on every little uh-huh. thing and be like, so I'm going to get a credit memo for $498. <laughs> I'd like drive hey, out of there and be like, I got to call Ted Bell. He walks back in like, cool, I got another 5% <laughs> off those bow time. Yeah, totally. And I had, to call, <laughs> I had to call Ted Bell and be like, it's Ethan, your new rep on the road you hired on um, those boats you sent out. Like Matt said, there's blams and you're going to have to, you know, now I'd be like, Matt, these are canoes. They've never built the perfect one. These are the boats you want me to take them with me or do you want <laughs> you know like i just yeah. I was scared and i got him anyway so that was matt and then matt later sold the shop to a gentleman named ben schmidt who was more my age contemporary of me so uh-huh. like late mid-20s at the time oh, and cool. and then that place became you know and he moved it to like a indoor space but it was an old tire factory along on the river and it had like a fenced-in side gate that turned out to be like our little Woodstock, <laughs> and like there were dogs running around back in there, multiple rigs, always kegs on tap, and you know I'd come here and stay for a week. It was a single guy, no family at home. Yeah. And so today we visited a shop that had like a gravel yard fenced in like that. I, I was like, like that. So nostalgic. Yeah, that it, place is awesome. And it was all well, in. Give like, him a shout out. Love boat paddle in Missoula. It's just a cool little love spot. boat paddle. Yeah. Love Boat Paddle in Missoula has it going on. They have the scene. They kind of like converted like old industrial roll up doors. Like yeah. put wood on the shop. Old boats hung on the ceiling. I mean, I think they had a bear rug on the side of it. They too. did, totally. That and they had a picture of John Wayne on the wall. Yeah, that place has after. as much personality as I've seen in a paddle sports shop in 10 to 15 years. Yeah, and just super gentleman enthusiasm. You go in and, there like, oh, I want to go boating. Yeah. Oh, man, that was great. So, a lot yeah. of cool shops on this trip, but that one stood out as like, a, seemed like, you know, pretty core. Yeah, up and yeah. coming. That was, uh, I have a lot of memories here. Come taken out off the canoe, um, off the river at t- like at 1030 at night. And when we got to the car, the gate was shut in it. You know, oh, and, no. <laughs> yeah, the truck Sleep shut in. the car? I mean, I think we ended up getting hold of somebody and having them pick us up at the gate and had to leave the car. You know? Oh, wow. But it was like all the boats, too. So it was just a colossal. <laughs> so then we had to come back and get our boats. It was just a mess. Things like that happened. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So what did we paint the picture? That owning a canoe shop can be awesome. Yeah. I don't know. Or I guess that, shop. that we've done all this, and then on the back end of it, there's people that pay us. What's that? <laughs> we get paid to do it. Oh, this you know idea? What I mean? Well, no, no. I'm just saying just in general. Like, you're telling all these paddle sports stories and, you know, our life on the road. And, like, just the fact that there's a living to be made oh, in paddle I, sports. I don't get paid. It's a I earn it. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, it's not like, hey, go drive around and be like, we have to go out and sell it. We're commission based, you know. It's yeah. not like, hey, son, go on the road and here's a check book. Yeah, you gotta you gotta go out there and hustle it and earn it. Yeah, and so with the shop owner, like, you'd but have it's to, also a good. Uh, you'd have to earn it. Totally. There's no free rides. All I'm saying is that if you're gonna work your butt off, 
and you love paddling, that there's opportunity, and it's yeah. a, it's a lot of fun. But it seems like people um, bring it up as like, oh, you're so lucky that you you know found a job that you found a job. To, yeah, uh, with something like that somebody you hired me. Like, oh, you'd be good for paddle sports. Come on in. Yeah. No, I, we we were paddlers that then were like, wait, they. There's a store in town, and they're looking for people to sling kayaks and guide tours. I could do that. I'm going to work there. I remember my hook set moment was in Madison, Wisconsin, where I was working in a shop. And the shop owner who mentored me, Carl, we were carrying up aluminum canoes on our shoulders to put on the rack after rental. And it was just like a hot day, and it just was a good way to end the day, right? Put the boats away and lock them yeah. up. And we're kind of working together. And I'm maybe the second one on my shoulders carrying up. I looked at it, and I was like, this is awesome. I could do this forever. Or something like that. And he yeah. looked at me with a smile. I think I've sold this story, you know. Yeah. But he just looked at me with a smile. like, And I just, I don't know, maybe some of this podcast is like, you guys could have that moment. You know, you could, yeah. I don't know, like, it's... Totally. I, I remember many evenings at the boathouse doing the same thing, just carrying the last paddleboard up at the end of the day. The sun's going down, and you're like, this is this is something special. I can't believe I get to do this and call it work. Hooking boats. Yep. But there is terrible days, too. What's your worst day in paddle sports? Uh, that's like, I don't know. You got any like funny, terrible stories or? Oh yeah, where do you want me to start? No, I, mean, yeah. I, I can think of mine as a rental. I mean, I had so many, but the one that comes to mind is a rental that came back. It was a week long rental, and they must have caught the crab on day one, but it was shoved all the way in the nose of this kayak that you just could not get it. And spent the whole day, and it didn't just sat in the sun for four days. That caught a what fish? A crab. Oh, a crab. And threw crab down in the hatch. Sorry. Oh, crab. crab. Crabs in the hatch. And it got, rotted. And it rotted in the sun for like four days, and I got it back on day five of the rental. And maybe like some beer cans too, but it was the worst smell. Oh my gosh, I've had that. And I'm just like, I don't want to do this today. Steak and potatoes. I loaned a boat out to a buddy in Seattle, and then three weeks later, used it at a demo day after he had returned it, and opened a hatch, and he had left steak and potatoes in the hatch. <laughs> I sent him a picture. I was like, you want your steak and potatoes Oh, back? that's the worst. That was bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Wet clothes in a dry bag. That's a For me, one. some of the worst moments, and we're, we're different than what a shop owner has because we're on the road, truckers, yeah. is I've just had some scary truck moments. Flipped a trailer in the wind with yeah. a bunch of brand new canoes on it. I've slid around on ice, scary. Trucks broke down where you're just like, how am I going to get out of here? Mm-hmm. Those, those are, I mean, what stress is in the end is like something's coming at you that you can't control. So yeah. every job has it. You know, for sure some element but when that stresses your life it's in jeopardy you know totally it's a whole different level yeah but I think it's I mean paddle sports is a lot that way too it's like there's no we wear seatbelts because it's dangerous to be on the road you wear a life jacket on the river because it's just there's inherent risk if you're going to go out and live your life and have an adventurous life yeah yeah you can try to plan for it prepare for it um, but as you know, so many people have said to me recently, shit happens. <laughs> We've heard a lot of that happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you think? I think it's uh, I think it's been a great night. I appreciate you guys hanging out with us in Montana. And, uh, you know, we've been in the car. How many hours did we decide? 15 hours? Yeah. And this podcast has been going on the whole time. We've just forgot to record the first 14 <laughs> of them or whatever. <laughs> so thanks for hanging with us. Yeah, guys. Maybe we'll give you another one here on this trip. 